All right. Uh, welcome to the second episode of the Highlight Reel. I'm Allison. And I'm Jacqueline. Today, we're going to be talking about Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, a beloved holiday classic. You know, whether or not you think it's yeah. a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie, uh, it's definitely got quite a fan following. Whichever side you're on, we've got it right in the middle. We've compromised. Yeah. November is is the time for the nightmare yeah. before Christmas. It's, it's November decided. is kind of yeah. It's the kind of ultimate time to watch it. Like you still got that Halloween excitement kind of winding down, and then you've got the Christmas excitement on the other side, just waiting because you know you're you're not allowed to celebrate Christmas too early. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> there are definitely those people who will just hunt you down. If you if you start listening to Christmas music too early, like, you know, God forbid. <laughs> but yep. I I've pretty much settled on like, OK, I will watch The Nightmare Before Christmas every November. But actually, this was my first time watching it, I think, in a few years. Yeah, same here. So we'll definitely have lots to talk about. But first, we're going to kick it off with our question of the week, which is what is your favorite animated movie? That's honestly a pretty difficult one for me. And something I kind of have to think about a little bit. I'm like about to check my letterbox right now just because <laughs> I don't know. There's there's a lot of great animation out there. It's kind of oh, sometimes sure. hard to choose one. I, I feel like animated movies are just such a great way for stories to be told, because unlike, you know, live action movies with animated movies, you can do anything you want. And I think yeah. that's a really great opportunity to be creative. And you have so many amazing animation studios. Studio Ghibli, Pixar, Disney, those are obviously kind of like the kings and queens of animation. If I had to pick between those, I'm a pretty big Pixar fangirl, but I, I, I would probably have to say Studio Ghibli. And actually... I, I mentioned in episode one, when our question of the week was, uh, where, you know, your top three favorite movies, I said Kiki's Delivery Service, which is an animated movie. So obviously, of course, that's got to be my favorite animated movie. Um, but I guess to, to say something kind of different, uh, I'm a really big fan of Up. That was my favorite Pixar movie growing up. Yeah. Um, for a while, it was actually my most rewatched movie in a movie theater. I think I saw it five times when that came out. Oh, wow. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it with, like, my mom and then, you know, some friends. And then you just, I don't know how it happened because that was, like, 2009. <laughs> I yeah, I feel that. That's a pretty good one. Um, I think, yeah, definitely Pixar is kind of the kind of reigning king of animated movies. Um as far mm -hmm. as kind of like the, or at least they're the best at kind of marketing and stuff because they've, they've got that Disney cash. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, according to Letterboxd, my favorite was Inside Out, but I don't necessarily agree with that anymore, I think. <laughs> I feel like in terms of maybe the numbers, I may have liked that one the best, but I think the one that stuck with me the longest has been Monsters, Inc. Oh, oh that's such a great one. It's such a great one. Yeah. Enough to where, like, I, um, every Halloween when I don't have a costume, I just go as Mike Wazowski. <laughs> Translation, <laughs> uh, senior year Halloween time. 
You got all those Senior parties. And you junior definitely year, have. I think. Really? <laughs> I don't remember. I thought junior year. I honestly kind of forget, but I have done it multiple times. It might have just been that one year. I'm not really sure. But I've Who had knows? that sweater for a long time. It's a good one. And, you know, like you said, it's just a nice go-to costume. If you're like, oh, I got, you know, a little party I got to go to or like some kind of costume-related event, you're like, I'll just throw this on. It's nice and easy and comfortable. I think there's also another kind of connection because um, when I was in second grade, my second grade teacher uh, started calling me Boo because I apparently looked like Boo. <laughs> oh my gosh, I see it. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Like, I guess Boo has darker hair than you, but yeah. it's like similar length. You're both cute and tiny. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my so, gosh, that's so I, great. I, I was Boo in 2001 to 2002. Wait, no, 2002 to 2003, I think. Please, I yeah. beg of you, find photos. I beg of you. <laughs> I beg. I need to see this in my life. <laughs> okay. That'll just further solidify the fact that you look like Boo, though. I don't know how you feel about that <laughs> yeah. as a adult in your mid-20s. <laughs> yeah. I mean... As we're speaking, I am kind of staring at a photo of me with pigtails <laughs> around that era. And like, I see it You're kind like, oh, of. Gosh. I didn't have bangs, but like, I am a little white girl with like brownish hair. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's I, like I that's get where it. the similarities like start and it. end, but it's like, yeah, yeah you know, it makes sense. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. for me, it's like, oh, hey. You look like Mulan. I'm like, oh, really? Do I actually? Really? <laughs> you don't know how many times uh, I I heard, oh, you, you look like Mulan. I'm like, wow. Thanks. <laughs> you know what else I would get a lot when I went to nerdy video game conventions is that I should cosplay as the girl from Mirror's Edge <laughs> because she's Asian. Do you know who I'm talking okay. about? Do you ever play that? I do not. No. <laughs> Am I outing myself as a fake nerd? No, it's okay. It, it was like kind of a a smaller game that I don't know if it has like a, a cult following necessarily, but I do have a handful of friends who are, are big fans of Mirror's Edge. And I think it was one of those games that was really promising and had a lot of potential. And I remember when the trailer dropped, everyone thought like it looked really cool, but when the game actually came out, it was just all right, at least in my opinion. But it, it's like a, a first-person kind of action game. So you play this girl, I think her name is Faith, and, you know, she's Asian. And you just, like, run around and do, like, parkour and stuff. Like, it's not a first-person <laughs> shooter necessarily. Maybe there are guns. I don't remember. But what I remember from the game is you just, like, run around and, like, jump on top of buildings. It's just fun. I don't know. So is it kind of like Temple Run? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guess you're not wrong, but in a very different setting. Like, it's very futuristic. All okay. of, like, the color palette is very white and red, and it's, it's like a city, kind of. Okay. But that, that was a huge <laughs> tangent off of the question itself. Monster Inc. is a great, great choice. I actually, I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, Me either. Like that. Especially for That's being a... my favorite animated movie, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
what are your thoughts on Monsters University? Because I feel like a lot of people weren't crazy about it, but I actually really enjoyed that movie. Me too. I don't know if it has to do with, like, being in college when it was released. Oh, yeah, that definitely helps. Were you in college at that point or not yet? I don't think so. Because I forget if it was my sophomore or junior year that it came out. You know, I'm yeah, I might have been a senior in high school when it came out, so maybe it gave me, like, a little tease for what I had in store or whatever. I don't remember entirely. Gotcha. Actually, oh, it was 2013. 2013? Okay, so, I was literally just about to say 2013, so actually, no. I was a junior then. Yeah, you're a junior. Yeah. I was a freshman, actually. Okay, that makes more sense. Oh my gosh, I feel so old Yeah, now. the more that I think about it, that's kind of the era where, like, I think Toy Story 3 came out the year before because I know that came out when I was graduating high school and about to go to college. So that was, like, perfect timing for me there. And then Monsters University the next year. Yeah. Um, I'm really jealous of of people, like, exactly your age because I hear so many (laughs) awesome stories of, like, oh, my gosh, when Toy Story 3 came out, I was just about to go to college and I was just crying like a baby. You know, like, all these... Really sentimental stories about how you literally grew up with Andy. Ah. Yep, I mean, pretty much. But, like, also at the same time, I don't think the move to college was super impactful (laughs) for me. Just because I was, like, I was going to college 10 minutes away from where I lived. Yeah, it's not only (laughs) in-state, but it's really, really close. So maybe a little bit less of a, you know... (laughs) empowering moment for you as a young adult or you know soon to be young adult or whatever but it's still something it still counts definitely yeah but yeah I it's funny how early you were mentioning that according to Letterboxd like your highest rated animated film was Inside Out because when I first saw that it was like probably in my top three favorite Pixar movies. I was totally in love with it, but now it's not really a movie I go back and revisit as often as I thought I would, and I don't really know why yeah. that is. I don't know either. That's one that I'm not quite sure why the kind of viewing experience is so different from your first time watching it to, like, I guess a little bit afterward. Mm. I'm thinking kind of, I guess, I, I'm just kind of talking this out, but um, yeah, considering it is... A movie about emotions and the kind of point is to be emotional. I feel like yeah. when you have all those emotions, I think I'm not like trying to say like your brain tricks you, but maybe it's like you're more likely to either associate it with a positive or negative feeling where Disney and Pixar really know how to like tell a story down to a T. They, they, they mm-hmm. know that technique so well. So, oh, for sure. They've really figured out like the science it yeah so i i feel like it's some kind of thing having to do with like your emotions somehow connecting to a positive viewing experience somehow yeah i don't know i don't have a psych degree i don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) i just have a podcast (laughs) i i totally agree though and i think especially when the movie first came out it was at a time where i was going through a lot just like mentally so seeing you know a nice little pixar movie about emotions in a very kind of cute, unique way, but also, you know, the movie's literally telling you 
hey, it's okay to be sad. And I think that's like a really important message, especially for kids. But also, you know, I was probably like, I think I was a junior or senior. I think I was a senior actually um, in high school. So, you know, I, you know, you're still having some growing pains as a teenager. And it's still like a really good message just for teenagers. And yeah, I think that's why when I first saw it, like, you know, it really meant a lot to me. But now that I'm a little bit older and a little bit wiser and more emotionally mature, I guess um, I don't revisit it as often. But like, I still love the movie. You know, I still definitely would recommend it. I still think it's amazing. I don't know. What would you give it now? Like as a reading? <sighs> Ooh, I think I'd give it like a solid 4.5 out of five stars. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I rate most Pixar movies, like, around there, honestly. Like, I, I do genuinely think they're all, like, fantastic movies. I'm trying to think, like, of flaws, and I don't really have any flaws with the movie. Um, yeah. You know, it's just how I've kind of grown from it. So uh, it's not necessarily something I go back and rewatch often, but it's still something I really appreciate. What about you? I agree with that. I gave it a four and a half stars. Um rating when I first watched it. Oh, okay. So we actually have it the same. I'd probably have to watch it again to say for sure, but I'd say somewhere mm. around like maybe somewhere in the middle, like 4.25, somewhere in the middle of like four and four <laughs> and a half. I don't know. Yeah. You know, that that's actually very valid. I, I, I can agree with that. Yeah. It's not a thing that I can think of. This major mistake helped keep it back from four and a half, but it's like, I've seen more movies and I've seen more movies that I absolutely love. And I feel yeah. like maybe my personal rating system has changed since I watched it. For sure. For sure. It's always interesting when you look back at, at and see a movie that like when you were younger, you view it as a five star film. And now you're like, uh, no, that's definitely not five stars. You know, <laughs> sometimes you just really view things in like a tunnel. You have that tunnel vision. And then yeah. once you're able to kind of get outside of that, you're like, OK, I can be a little bit more critical. It's definitely still a great movie to me, but I feel like that's how I feel about the SpongeBob movie. Oh, uh. That was my favorite movie for so long. <laughs> the SpongeBob movie. Oh my gosh. <sighs> I remember seeing the trailer for that for the first time. I'm pretty sure it, it must have been oh, in yeah. theaters when I saw the trailer for the first time. I'm almost positive I cried. I, I really think <laughs> I did cry when I watched that. And I, I still remember it so vividly. Like, the beginning of the trailer is, like, you know, outside the ocean, and then they, like, go down, they, and then, you know, it's, they like, drop, yes. bottom. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I totally remember, too. Right? Oh. I remember seeing that, and I'm like, oh, it must be some boring adult movie for adults. And then it goes down, <laughs> you see SpongeBob, like, oh. <laughs> I know, I know. And I remember, so my family all knew that I was obsessed with SpongeBob. So, you know, of course they were like, okay, we, we know what SpongeBob is. We're like very aware when we're watching this trailer. And, you know, David Hasselhoff is in it. And they're like, oh my gosh, like David Hasselhoff <laughs> is in the SpongeBob movie. I was like, who the heck is David Hasselhoff? Oh, I yeah. know SpongeBob. <laughs> you know, our... And they're all like, oh, oh my gosh, Lord. David Hasselhoff. Yep. Honestly, though, for me... You know, maybe David Hasselhoff has, like, even though we're older now and we can, like, know more about his filmography or whatever, to me, he still, his, his most known role will still be David Hasselhoff as himself in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. 
For sure. I Sorry, 100% Knight agree. Or whatever he's yeah. from. I don't even remember. I think he's a Baywatch guy. Baywatch. That would make sense. <laughs> that would make a lot of Maybe. sense. Maybe. Actually. Yeah, he's I from Baywatch, Knight Rider, Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, I was right. Are his most known? Wait, who was he in Guardians of the Galaxy? The form of David Hasselhoff. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's I do. Guardians of the Galaxy that. Volume Two. Volume Two. That's right. Because yes, um, Star Lord. Like you know, he's obviously got daddy issues. So I think David Hasselhoff was like a father figure to him. That's so funny. That is so yeah. funny. He plays himself more than anything else. <laughs> yeah, actually, looking at his most recent roles. Oh my God. Yeah, these are like almost all him just playing himself. Right? See, I, I kind of said it as a joke, but then the more you think about it, you're like, no, actually, that's pretty accurate. And it's funny because it's like, was he that famous prior to just playing himself that it still works? You know what I mean? I guess so. Because looking at this, his upcoming and like previous filmography as an actor, Kung Fury 2, he's Hoff 9000. Close nice. enough to the TV series, he's David Hasselhoff. Uh, Spongebob Squarepants, David Hasselhoff, Killing Hasselhoff, The Hoff, Guardians oh of the gosh. Galaxy, Inferno, video short, he's Zardu Hasselfraw, <laughs> uh, Nightcap, the TV series, he's David Hasselhoff, Logan Paul, oh Summer gosh. Saga, he is David Hasselhoff. What? what? <laughs> I'm sorry, we need to talk about that one. What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, I... Oh my I, gosh. Do not pay attention to that man. And I advise that everyone else doesn't pay attention to him either. But, like, I don't know that if that'll name, ever happen. <laughs> that person hadn't crossed my mind in literally years until about a month ago when he started getting into the Pokemon card scene. And <laughs> I could go on an entire podcast talking about this topic alone. So I, I'm going to stop there. But there's a lot going on. In the you you world wanna of Logan you wanna Paul. plug yourself on a different episode? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I could talk about Pokemon for a long time. I've I've many things <laughs> about Pokemon to say. Oh, yeah. that's a good animated movie, bruh, bruh. True. Pokemon Heroes, come at me, bro. Best movie ever. <laughs> Oh my gosh, with Latios and Latias. Oh my gosh, I love that movie. And then there's the third movie with Entei. And oh no, we got to start it on Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, we spent way too much time on this question. I should have known with, with animated movies. There's just so much to talk about. We haven't even talked about yeah. Studio Ghibli movies. That was just Pixar and SpongeBob. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All of these were, like, you know, kind of the traditional, more modern 3D animation, not 2D animation. Or stop motion animation, yeah. which is what The Nightmare Before Christmas is. There we go. See, I can get us back on track. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah, so Nightmare Before Christmas was um, this past week's movie of the week for the Shinema Club. And if yes. you want to join the Shinema Club and either nominate your own favorite movie to be discussed on this podcast and in the Discord, or kind of vote on what we as a group watch next, you can go ahead and join the Shinema Club. Um, 
There will be a link in the description of this podcast, and we hope to see you there. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We've quick got plug. some really great people in there. <laughs> yeah, quick little plug. And <laughs> there have been some really great conversations about just this movie alone. And we'd love to, you know, talk about it with even more people. So The Nightmare Before Christmas uh, came out in 1993. And what I want to talk about first is something that blew my mind when I first learned this. So obviously it's Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, which would kind of imply that Tim Burton was heavily involved and likely a director. But that's <laughs> actually not true. It was directed by Henry Selick. And I had to look him up because the name didn't ring a bell. And I felt really ashamed once I looked up his filmography that I, I didn't know him because he has actually done quite a lot in terms of kind of uh, children's animation. So he directed uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas, James and the Giant Peach, and Coraline. Those are probably the biggest ones. There, there are a few more. And there's actually one that's coming out next year called Wendell in the Wild um, hmm. that he's directing, which is pretty cool. That's That's like his first project in over a decade because his last thing was Coraline which is 2009 so that's pretty crazy but yeah uh, I I didn't know that he was the director for James and the Giant Peach that's one of my favorite movies from my childhood but it makes sense it makes sense actually yeah looking through a lot of Tim Burton's filmography he's mostly a producer he's not a director on a lot of the things especially if they have like Tim Burton's before them the only one that I'm seeing that's kind of really associated with him being the director is Sweeney Todd. Oh, okay, okay. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. Because um, there's Corpse Bride, um, Sweeney Todd, uh, Edward Scissorhands. No, that, that one either, I oh, guess. Oh, actually, I apologize. I apologize. I was looking at the producer section on IMDb. This is what happens when you don't do your research beforehand, folks. Um, So he was actually the director also, in addition to being the producer for Dumbo, um, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, Big Eyes, Frank and Weenie, Alice in Wonderland, uh, Corpse Bride, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Planet of the Apes, Ed Wood. Wow. Ed Wood, that's right. I actually, yes. I haven't seen a good a good amount of his movies now that now that I think about it, like the ones you just um, oh really listed, yeah, especially like the newer ones. I haven't seen a good chunk of them actually. Oh, um, okay, but the Nightmare Before Christmas has always been, you know, one of my favorite movies. Uh, like I mentioned in the beginning of the the episode, I usually try to watch it every year and I kind of settled on November being the best time because especially early November like you know right after Halloween so you still kind of have Halloween like fresh in your kind of you know mind but also you can look forward to Christmas kind of like what you were saying so I think November is like the best time to watch this movie. It it had been a couple years since I last rewatched this. I think, you know, I just kind of got busy and never had the chance to kind of rewatch it like I, I try to every year. And this movie just really holds up so well. And we had some really great conversations in the Shenema Club about it. But um, someone had kind of compared this movie to Toy Story, the original Toy Story. And I thought that was really interesting. Uh, kind of in what ways was it compared to Toy Story? So people were kind of saying how 
with The Nightmare Before Christmas, there's no denying that, you know, the animation is amazing. The characters, the music, that, that's all great. But there, there kind of seemed to be a consensus that the story was probably the weakest part about it. And, you know, it's nothing that spectacular or crazy. It's just kind of, you know, a standard story, like nothing that is going to blow your mind. But that's not really what what you go back to the movie for, you know, it's the animation, the characters, the music. Whereas with Toy Story, the story is fantastic and very, very timeless kind of story, but the animation does not hold up at all. And obviously, you know, it was very groundbreaking at the time, like when that movie came out, you know, that was like the first time they ever did a 3D animated movie and that was a huge deal. And it probably looked incredible for, uh, you know, 1995, 1996. I don't remember what year it was exactly. Uh, yeah. But when you go back and watch it now, like when Toy Story 4 came out, I had a little Toy Story marathon and I rewatched all of them. And I was blown away. Just the difference between Toy Story 1 and 2, there is a huge jump in the animation quality. Even though the first Toy Story animated, like the animation itself looks pretty bad, it's still such you know, an amazing movie. Like, I would still probably give it five stars, honestly. That was Pixar's first feature, correct? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was Toy Story, and then A Bug's Life, and then Toy Story 2. I I haven't watched A Bug's Life in a while, so I can't comment on the animation for that movie, but Toy Story 2, like, already looks so much better than the first one, which I think is, you know, it's just crazy how, how things advance so quickly, like, once they kind of find their footing. And with The Nightmare Before Christmas, it's even older than Toy Story. You know, it's like two, three years older, but the animation holds up so well still just because it's stop motion. Stop motion just delivers no matter what. For sure. It's definitely um, probably one of the most timeless forms of animation, I'd say. Like 2D animation, you can kind of tell sometimes if it's a little bit dated or kind of an amateurish project, I think that's kind of, can be kind of more visible. And then 3D animation, as we talked to Toy Story, definitely. <laughs> um, but I think stop motion, I think it takes forever, I'm sure, just based on how you make the art form. Actually, I know because I did a stop motion project in high school oh, and that took forever. Oh, fun. But yeah, I definitely learning from that it took days to finish mm-hmm. like a one minute stop motion video. And I mean, also in a show that we both love Parks and Rec, they kind of I was just going to bring that well. up. I was just going to bring that up. <laughs> I was waiting. I was like, what she's talking yes. I'm going to bring this up. Requiem for a Tuesday. Stand in the place where you. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a, what it's my favorite episode of Parks and Rec ever. The comeback kid. Season four, Ben does a little stop motion project that does not go as expected. Yes. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it's like with Toonie Animated, kind of like what you said, like I'm trying to think of for like Studio Ghibli, um, you know, Kiki's Delivery Service, for example, that is one of their oldest movies. And even though you can tell, like, you know, maybe it's not 
super crispy or like HD, it still looks really good, like on a Blu-ray. But then if you go back and you look at one of their newest movies, like, uh, let's say for example, When Marnie Was There, that came out like 2014, 15-ish. Mm-hmm. I remember like watching it on my laptop and I was just like, oh my gosh, like the animation's amazing. It's so, like, I, I, I like to use the word crispy a lot when I talk about <laughs> animation because it just looks so crispy. Like the yeah. lines... And the details and the colors, you know, they just really pop. Or like, okay, even, oh gosh, I'm just going off on so many tangents. I'm sorry. (laughs) I definitely understand. It's it's interesting to hear you talk about Studio Ghibli because you're so passionate about it. So (laughs) yeah, I I, I love animation. And with one of my all-time favorite TV shows, Avatar The Last Airbender, you can tell it's, it's an older show. It's not even that old. It's like mid, or I guess... Like, 2006-ish. I was going to say that's, like, early 2000s, which I guess it is, which is a weird thing to think about. But anyway, if you look at Avatar versus The Legend of Korra, huge, huge, huge difference. Like, The Legend of Korra was another thing when I first watched it. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, the animation's amazing. And I remember thinking, like, I wish they could somehow, like, HDify Avatar to make it look that good. But if you go back and watch Avatar, like, you know, it's fine. It's nothing bad. It's just only when you can see it and compare it to something else do you really realize how much older it is. As far as, um, I know we kind of touched on a little bit of the, just to bring us back to the Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we touched a little bit on kind of the group's consensus of the quality of the story. Um, mm-hmm, do you have mm-hmm. any kind of takeaways or thoughts um, from watching it for the first time in a little bit? Yeah, um, I guess I never really thought about it before. Like prior to the group's conversation in the Discord, I was like, you know, okay, I'll I'll go into this rewatch thinking about the story. And I definitely agree. Like, you know, the story's nothing that, that interesting. I mean, it's interesting, obviously, to the point where you want to keep watching the movie, but uh, it, it's nothing where you're going to think about it for a really long time and think about how impactful the story it is. And I think what you kind of did some research about Tim Burton's involvement and like how the movie came to be. And I think that does a good job of kind of explaining that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, some kind of history behind how The Nightmare Before Christmas became like the story that it is. Um, it's based off of a poem that Tim Burton wrote when he was an animator at Walt Disney and honestly that kind of explained a lot to me as to why the plot of the movie is not up to par just from my experience of watching Andrew Lloyd Webber translate Cats which was a based off a book of poems as well into a musical (laughs) and then watching Tom Hooper translate that musical into a movie based off of a book of poems. Uh, and yeah, I feel like this is not the last time we'll bring up Cats, but... Oh, oh, absolutely yeah. not. I'm like wondering... <laughs> I just wanted to bring up that comparison. I feel like eventually we're going to have to say about Make That the Movie of the Week so we can talk about it because... <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, are there things to be uh, said about that movie. Yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense why... You know, it's nothing that crazy because it was just based off a little poem that Tim Burton made. But I think story aside, they do such a great job with just world building. And, you know, that's something I also really appreciate in movies. And, uh, you know, when I rewatched it, my boyfriend and I were saying, like, we would love to be able to see 
the other towns because you've got those trees in the circle with all the different holidays. Yeah. Like, what would the Easter town be like? Or the Thanksgiving town? For me, I was like, oh, the Easter town would just be that one bunny from Animal Crossing, and it would be scarier than Halloween town. <gasps> no, <laughs> not Zipper what Tea Bunny. Yes! Oh. <laughs> why, 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 Nintendo, did you do that? I, I will never understand. Uh. But the world building is great. The characters are so memorable, and what one of my favorite things about this movie is the expressions on, you know, mm-hmm. all these characters. It's like, particularly Jack. They're just so expressive, and it's so fun to see. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think definitely my favorite part of this movie is um, Oogie Boogie Song. Yeah, yeah, that one I is fantastic. I absolutely love the kind of black light effect in that song, mm-hmm. and just the visuals. It's just so cool. Yeah, it, that's definitely yeah. one of my favorite scenes for sure. Like, I think something with stop motion that uh, that really stands out compared to other forms of animation is no other animated movie makes me think, like, how did they do that? Like, how did they make this? Whereas with stop motion, I'm constantly asking myself, like, wow, like, how did they do this scene? Like, how did they, you know, like, the camera work or the direction of it? Like, there are so many questions I have, and as just someone who really appreciates filmmaking like not just movies but like how they made the movie like you have to have so much respect for stop motion i wish i had that patience (laughs) oh oh me too girl i'm i'm so impatient (laughs) stop motion is just truly amazing i'm trying to think like what was the last stop motion movie to come out the last thing i can think of is kubo and the two strings and that was years ago i think there was one a little bit recently that came out the most recent one i'm seeing that uh came out from the usa is missing link that's right that was actually just last year because that one um best animated at the golden globes right i think so yeah i think that was kind of like a underdog win so a lot of people were pleasantly surprised about that last year's award season seems so long ago (laughs) dude right isn't it crazy Every once in a while when I'm having a bad day, I just remind myself, Parasite won at the Oscars. And I'm like, that was this year. That was February. Yeah, that was February. That was right before, you know. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I unfortunately didn't see Missing Link, but I wanted to. That was Laika, right? Is that their name? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was Laika. And I'm pretty sure they also did Kubo and the Two Strings. So it's like, yeah, like. They're kind of the last studio standing that's still, you know, really succeeding in stop motion. I'm sure there's other smaller studios that are doing stop motion, but in terms of kind of the mainstream, as unfortunate as that is. But I hope they're able to continue and aren't, you know, hit too hard by everything going on. You said uh the boogeyman scene is like one of your favorites would that also be your favorite song or do you have a different favorite song favorite song is probably what's this Mm, um mm -hmm. kind of the okay i understand like this is halloween is the big opening number was never really Mm -hmm. a fan of it um but (gasps) really yeah i'll I'll get into (laughs) it later um but what's this is probably my favorite um just because it's like kind of the big turning point in the story it's a fun song, you know. It is. It's, it's super it's, catchy. It's a good time. That's my second favorite. 
My first favorite is This Is Halloween. I'm basic. Oh. So now I, I need I need to know why you're not a big fan of that song. I need that explanation. I'm very curious. It kind of stems from my two major problems with this movie. And they okay. are, I guess, just kind of in the world building uh, something I'm not sure of. And then something particularly problematic I have with that song. Not necessarily even problematic, just something that has kind of bugged me as long as I've paid attention to the lyrics. I don't know what oh pumpkin scream in the dead of night means. <laughs> like, I understand it's like a supernatural world, but I like, I don't. That's your problem. <laughs> I have a, I, I don't know why I have a problem with it, but like, I'm just like, pumpkins can't scream. And it upsets me. <laughs> Did Danny Elfman come up with the lyrics or did he just make the music? You're like, Danny Elfman, give me an answer. I honestly don't know. I always, not always, because I just found this out today, but I guess finding out that it was a poem first, a lot of the lyrics make sense in a poem form. So I'm going to blame Mm. Tim Burton because I still love Oingo Boingo and I don't want to tarnish my view of Danny Elfman. Yeah, no, Danny Elfman is a king. (laughs) Absolute king. He's, like, on the level of... He's on, like, the level of John Williams and stuff. Like, just so much iconic music. Ah, it's so good. For sure. But (laughs) I hope you know now that anytime I I listen to This Is Halloween, I'm not going to be able to not think about that line without thinking about you <laughs> like now every time i hear that song and I'm, I'm gonna be singing along you know this is halloween this is and then i'll be like pumpkin scream and the wait what the heck like what yeah i'm glad <laughs> that my brand thing. has had a lasting impact on you it's very random i know but it's it's a problem i've had with the song since i first paid attention to those lyrics and Goths everywhere have lost respect for me, and I know it, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the goth community. (laughs) It's just totally not what I was expecting, too. I was expecting something like, you know, you have all those different monsters, like, talking about, like, what they do, like, oh, like, I'm the one hiding under your bed, blah, blah, blah. I thought it was gonna be, like, one of those, like, you're like, oh, like, that's, like, that doesn't really add up. Like, that's kind of wrong. Yeah. But nope, it's just one really random line. (laughs) That does bring up my other point, though. Is ah. I'm not sure of the hierarchy of this Halloween town. Like you have the mayor, and yes. then you have Jack Skellington, and I'm yes. not sure if his hierarchy is above or below the mayor. I'm not sure the power structure here, and it makes me uncomfortable. I am so, so, so glad you brought this up because I was thinking the same exact thing when I was rewatching it this time because. Like, I never really thought about it, I guess, before when I whenever I would rewatch this movie. Like, I was kind of just always like, yeah, like, you know, Jack's the pumpkin king and everyone loves him and adores him. Yeah, what does does that mean? So much work (laughs) for the town. Yeah. But it's like, bruh, the mayor is a simp for Jack. It's ridiculous. He literally cannot function without Jack. It's like he's just a puppet head. And is he like the governor or something? Or, like, the president of Halloween Town? Like, I don't understand Halloween Town politics. And, yeah, I'm stressed thinking about this. (laughs) You know, if you're stressed about the politics of the Nightmare Before Christmas, I'm glad that you're able to focus your efforts on (laughs) thinking about that. No, the real Nightmare Before Christmas is the 2020 election. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, yes. That is that is the real. Uh... Oh my gosh! <sighs> I did not think For we would sure. be getting into politics today, but you know, it was. It was I didn't think good. we were going to avoid it, honestly. But <laughs> I, was I, I appreciate your optimism. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I try my best, but that's hilarious. It. It really doesn't make any sense. I totally agree with you. Like, for posterity's sake, and to immediately like age this episode. At this point, we do not know who the president of, in uh, the twenty twenty election is. We don't know yes. the winner, and we're freaking That's out. Probably a good thing to to add in there. It's uh, it's been a stressful, anxious day and night. Yeah, is what I'll say. So you're welcome, historians. You can use this as a primary source now. <laughs> a nice little time capsule at how two young voters are feeling in this election. But yeah, <laughs> let's it's... get back to Nightmare Before Christmas before I vomit. <laughs> uh, that's too funny. That is that is too too funny. Oh man, we've talked about some things about this movie that I did not think we would cover but i'm so glad we've yeah. gotten to these places <laughs> yeah like, this has been an absolute blast <laughs> for sure um so so what what would you to, oh go ahead oh i was just gonna ask like what would you rate the movie oh my god that's what i was going to ask you oh girl <laughs> we on that wavelength you already know <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can't see it but 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 allison did a little arm wave it was very nice thanks for describing my sick moves um i haven't read it on letterbox yet for my rewatch i would say probably the issue with letterbox is they can't they don't let you do um quarter stars because i'd probably yeah. say 3.75 okay okay or four i'm not sure uh, leaning more yeah. towards four because it just it looks really pretty but like the story <laughs> like being an adult who can like process like stories and stuff mm. I'm pretty disappointed that like this doesn't have one you know yeah. however it's a very pretty movie <laughs> <laughs> it looked good yeah that 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 merits half a star in my book honestly I was yeah I was pretty much dead set on a four when I was going to go review this on Letterboxd, but then I ended up giving it four and a half just purely based on, like, the cultural significance and, like, how much the music and animation have kind of impacted film and, you know, holidays and stuff like that. But I've been kind of, like, thinking about it, and I'm like, oh, maybe it was a little generous because... Especially the the more that we're talking about it now, I'm like, yeah, there are there are some 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 little problems, you know, with the movie. It's not perfect. I'd probably give it like a four point two five if we were going with the the quarter scale. The quarter scale. <laughs> yeah. It's always hard. It's always hard because yeah. Um, especially movies that I have, like, a really personal connection with, I'm always like, I'm going to give it, like, a really good review. And I think just in general, I tend to be really too nice with my movie reviews. <laughs> Even after all the problems that have been brought up over years, I still give Scott Pilgrim a five star. 
Like Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Scott Pilgrim, trash. He sucks. <laughs> but I still love the movie. I will never not yeah. give it five stars. It's a perfect movie at me. It's it's a feeling that I get often also being a Weezer fan. It's like <laughs> it's garbage. I hate it. Also, I love it. 10 out of 10. That's just what it's like when you're a fan of campy things. You just you you're automatically on like defense alert. Like, let me explain. Let me explain. Like there, there's merit to this. But yeah, you know, The Nightmare Before Christmas, obviously, despite its problems and imperfect lyrics, it's a great movie. <laughs> Definitely yes. recommend watching it this November. It's a good movie, especially if you've never seen it before, which actually one of our um, cinematographers, which is the name for the Discord mods for the Shinwa Club, he had never seen it before until this time. And yeah. That's what we love. Shout out you know, Jordan. People seeing, yeah, shout out Jordan. Go, I hope you're listening. We're going to link this to you later. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we love about, you know, the Shinema Club is getting people to watch new movies for the first time. Who knows what the movie of the week will be next week, but we'll see. We'll see. My bet is cats. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Speaking of Jordan, yes. Yes, someone will, will nominate cats. <laughs> Yes. Don't make me go through that again. We're going to go ahead and close the episode with our pop culture pick of the week. And do you want to go first? Ooh, okay. So I'm struggling between two that I want to pick. Um, Just say them both. We have no rules. That's true. We don't have any rules and we making make any rules. rules. Yeah, we make the rules. We're the presidents of this podcast. Which, speaking of politics, um, this past week I did a double feature of Borat, and it oh was very interesting <laughs> to kind of be able to compare the two. So I actually have also, I've never seen Borat, and everyone's been talking about the new one, and I've been told you don't necessarily need to watch the first one to enjoy the new one. What are your thoughts on that? I agree. I mean... As long as you kind of understand the general concept of Borat being, like, from Kazakhstan and, like, being, like, hired by his government to, like, go to the U.S. and do, like, some kind of documentary and, like, kind of no one knows they're in it, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, I'd say Borat 2 has a bit of more of a story to it, um, and okay. that's kind of what I like a little bit better. That makes sense. It's all about the stories. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I guess I'll have to try to check out Borat sometime soon. Um, kind of like what you were saying with politics. I've heard Borat, too, is, is a good one to watch right now. Yeah, um, definitely pokes fun at a lot of our current representatives in power, which I think no matter what side of the aisle you're on, like, definitely some of the jokes are kind of more more of an attack on a different political parties, but like, mm -hmm. you know what? I, I think it's okay for anyone to enjoy. Yeah, Some people no, might I mean, get bitter about it, but like, honestly, just take a joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've always been in kind of the camp where I think people should learn how to laugh at themselves. Um, you know, I think sometimes people take things too seriously, especially with, uh, sitcom or comedy, you know, anything where humor is involved, people sometimes, they take it too seriously. 
especially with something like Borat, which is making fun. You know, it's literally a satire. Uh, like, okay, here's, here's a good example. Uh, a few years ago, my dad took me to see the book Mormon on Broadway. And we're not Mormons, but my dad is very Christian. And I didn't know anything about the Book of Mormon going into it, but it definitely it definitely pokes fun at religion. And yeah, so I was kind of like shocked that my dad took me to this, um, seeing as we're like a religious religious family. So I was like kind of like keeping my eye on him whenever they made kind of like an offensive joke, and he'd be laughing. And you know, we were learning talking yeah. about it like after the show, like you know, you just gotta learn to laugh at yourself, and you know, you can enjoy a lot of things that way. For sure, yeah. Let's all be more like Jacqueline's dad. <laughs> Everyone really should be like Mike. Mike's a great dude. <laughs> Shout out, Mike. Shout out, Mike. You better be listening to this, Dad. <laughs> Do you even support your daughter? Gosh. <laughs> Do you even know what a podcast is? <laughs> anyway, my pop culture pick of the week is going to be The Mandalorian Season 2. Mandalorian is finally back. I'm a huge, huge fan of the show and of Star Wars in general. I genuinely think that the Mandalorian is the best modern Star Wars thing to ever happen. I'm sorry to the new trilogy and anything, but the Mandalorian is way better, in my opinion. And season two is already really, really good. It's only been one episode, but it's great. I will say I'm not completely caught up. I know I'm, like, risking my nerd cred at the moment, but, like, (laughs) what I've seen of it is great, and I can't wait to watch more of it. Yeah, we'll definitely definitely talk about the show in the future, you know, maybe do, like, a season two review or something once that wraps up, but it it just started, and there's lots, lots to come still, which is really exciting. Maybe I'll catch up at some point, and we can actually have, like, an (laughs) in-depth conversation about it one day one day (laughs) i believe you a team thanks that wraps up episode two of the highlight reel thank you so much for tuning in we're finally on a bunch of different podcast streaming sites yeah we're on spotify we're on apple podcasts um youtube and anchor as of the recording of this episode so yeah check us out yeah Um, shout out to anchor for being a great host if you want to join in on the conversation a little bit more in depth feel free to join the shinema club and there's a lot of fun stuff going on in there and yeah we'll find out what the next movie of the week will be soon woohoo all right <laughs> uh so this has been episode two of the highlight reel i'm allison i'm jacqueline and, and cut, cut.